This is Coda Radio, episode 155, for May 25th, 2015. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast. Why, yes, indeed, it is Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. <laughs> No, no, I feel like you, you you assaulted me right out of the go. I've been attacked. <laughs> I, I like a strong, strong opening. That, that, was, that was like a uh, that was like a war call, man. That was like a war call. Uh, well, I've been uh, I've been playing some of that uh, Heroes of the Storm from Blizzard. Sure, sure, yeah. And uh, I don't know what it is. I think it's like a witch doctor or something. Uh-huh. And though I don't play with the sound on, I'm pretty sure that's what it sounds like when you kill someone. Yeah. It's negative in the freedom I don't know about that. dimension. But okay. All right. You know, <laughs> I feel like I just talked to you. I feel like you and I just had a no. conversation uh, a couple of days ago. No? No? Okay. Did you watch Our love is deep. Did you watch Letterman's uh, last episode? I just about halfway through it. Did you Did you watch that I, kind of thing? Do not have TV. Oh yeah, I don't either. Uh, but I can't watch it. Uh, so, you know, I, Mr. Dominic, it struck me during that show, but there's something I wanted to talk to you about because to me it seemed like the perfect opportunity for developers. So uh, coming up on today's episode, Mike's come across some pretty neat things that we're going to discuss, sort of like some projects of the week that we're going to feature and talk about, and a couple of them came out from the audience. And then uh, I've got one more Google I.O. thing to talk about. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it this week, but there is one more thing, and guess what? Thursday is Google I.O. 2015, so one more thing to throw into the pile uh, on that. We have a little uh, hoopla to go to and some feedback as well, Mr. Dominic. But you know what? I was out at uh, – do you – I don't think you – you don't have La Haciendas in your neck of the woods, right? I think it's just like a, a local chain here. Yeah, no, we don't. But it's fine. It's fine Mexican dining. And uh, uh, I was in there, and it was a pretty, it was a pretty busy night because, you know, it's uh, – I guess it's Sunday. I guess people don't like to cook on a Sunday. I don't know what it is. And uh, – I noticed something that's happening more and more, and I wondered if, if you've I, – I wonder if you've noticed this. And I don't know maybe it's my age or what, or what, but there was a time in my life, definitely when I was still in school, definitely um, you know, more than 10 years ago now. But there was a time in my life when the only time I ever heard somebody use the term application or storage or transfer – or download or upload, man. I remember the. I remember. I remember the first time I was in public and I heard somebody use the word download. I mean, this was just. It was there was an entire language that I did not share with the rest of the populace. Only with my other friends that were into computers, and there was only a few people that I knew. And so, growing up, and then into my adult life, I witnessed a transition where the general public went from. I, I when I started in my career, I was teaching adults how to use mice. And how to click, and and all these things. I went from that to now. I'm at a I'm at a restaurant last night, and every booth around me are they're talking about their apps. They're talking about Facebook. They're talking about downloading movies. Like every booth around us was all using this same common language, 
that we now share. And I, I, what, I, what struck me about it was now when I have conversations with people, I get to start with like all of this assumed shared common language and knowledge. Like I no longer have to explain what a download is. I don't have to explain what an app is um, or an app store even or a smartphone. Like all these things like I know, duh, Chris – but it, it really hit me last night when every single main conversation around me was technology-related. And I thought, we have truly moved into a different era now where uh, it does make sense that there could be so many people creating so much code and so many applications. Even though sometimes when we do this show, I'm like, you know, all these people listening all want to go out there and, you know, write and develop. And not all of them, but they, some of them want to go make money and do a li- make this a living. I'm thinking, you know, how many people can there be? But then last night when I'm out in public actually seeing human beings in, in person – they stink, but other than that, they actually are really into this stuff. Like it's becoming way more common. I'm in a kind of a hick town where this is happening. Have you have you experienced this? Have you witnessed this? Uh, yes, but uh, when I go to cocktail parties, I tell people I'm a janitor because if you say you develop apps, uh, you will ruin your night. When I go, I say I do internet radio mm. because now people are actually starting to get podcasts, but it's kind of like it's still sort of in that. When you used to say I'm a blogger before there was like the Huffington Post and Engadget and the Weblog Inks and all that stuff. You oh, say- so you're an employee. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, have you ever considered phrasing it maybe a little differently? What's that? How would I do that? <laughs> Why don't you say you do a webcam show on the internet? Wow. You know, I do do those sometimes. I, uh, I Really? Yeah. Let, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, I'm doing one right now, actually. Uh, it's not very entertaining, though, but I'm actually uh, – I do have a webcam turned on right now. Uh, oh, there he is. Oh, you thinned out, you, you skinny bastard. <laughs> I'm just not wearing a jacket. Um, Take so, off the shirt. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, no, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> you know what I got to say to that? Holy Get out of here. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess I just I, – I wanted to take a minute and appreciate the state of the world we are in now because podcasts are actually becoming a shared concept now. And I think a huge part of it – I was I, – I was, you can tell I went out to dinner. I was talking with a lot of people last night because it's got me – my juices flowing. A huge part of it is, like, uh, everybody at the booth either had an iPhone or an Android. And they all had a podcast. Some people just were using um, uh, the uh, uh, Apple Podcast client. But the number one uh, one that everybody had was either Dogcatcher or Pocket Cast. Yep. And uh, they all have it now. And I asked them all, because none of them are computer savvy. I asked them all, but they all have this basic knowledge now. I said, how did you listen to podcasts before you got Pocket Cast? And none of them listened to podcasts before that. Not. Before they could search for them, how are they going to do it? Yeah, and and the, and the one guy was like, "Well, I synced them to my uh, my uh, my iPod, and I, I would go when I went go on a hike." I was like, "Yeah." So the guy that had an iPod used iTunes, and all of you Android users didn't really bother, or you had used some other system or whatever. And I, I guess it seems to me like there's an opportunity. Uh, I guess I was getting. I hadn't really verbalized it on the show, but I was getting to the point where I was worried that maybe it was sort of a false hope that. Like your best chance to, to really make this work was to go get a nine to five, and that was it, uh, which is still a great option. But uh, after after the, after last night, it just seems like there's a major appetite out there from the user base. I don't know. I feel all jazzed up now. I'm ready to go into these developer conferences. I'm all fired up. Give us something good. I Take tell you it. what, I will go with you to a developer conference if I can pick the conference and the shirt you wear. Um, hmm, boy, that sounds like a risky, it's like, because uh, like the ones I'd want to get to, the only two developer conferences I would think of would be really interesting. I guess there's a lot. Maybe a smaller one would be interesting. 
Oh, there are so many ways I can get you on this. I so if you want to if you want to do this, let's do it. I've wanted to go. Do you, to, do you want? I've wanted to go to XOXO a few times. Which one's XOXO? It's like a design and development conference in Portland, I think. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. It's in Portland. I think so. I don't remember. So let me check out. Uh, it's supposed to be uh, invite only, though. I think. Uh, Chris, this appears to be a woman's clothing store. Yeah, it sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, XOXOFest.com. No, that's it. I think that's it. I think that's <laughs> uh, I thought you were making a big announcement today about your shopping Yeah, September trends. 10th to the 13th, Portland, Oregon. That's all we know. That's all we know. We could know. do it. Chris, do you have any hooters near your, uh, near your home? No, they've shut them down. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a shame. Yeah, well, I'll get you a t-shirt. Maybe we'll, I should we'll take you. To, maybe I should come out to your area. Well, here's the thing. I'm just going to take you to like a women's software conference and have you wear a Hooters t-shirt, and I'm going to walk away. <laughs> and uh, yeah, good luck. He's a jackass. <laughs> Damn it, dude! Why you got to do me like that? Why you got to do me? Or, like or that? I'll take you to. Uh, why don't I take you to uh, Linux Fest Northeast, right? Because there is one. Or, sure, sorry, sure. Southeast. I Whatever. Think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. That's and, going uh, on in just a couple of days. Meetup.com we'll slash Jupiter Broadcasting. We'll get you an Apple t-shirt from the Apple store. <laughs> and send me into a Linux conference? Yeah, just, just, and just have you carry an iPhone and a MacBook you know, Air. You know what condition I think I would do that under? I think there is a condition where I could be convinced to do that. Uh, and that when I think about it, it's like if, we did, if it was like a... Like I could do it like if we were going to raise funds and like give some to a charity or like an open source project and like right. raise funds for the network and donate some to an open source project and like like the ultimate stretch goal would be Chris wears an Apple shirt to a fest. I think that'd be pretty uh, good because you know I'm going to get kicked. So honestly, I think you're safer doing the Apple shirt at the Linux conference than you are doing the Hooter shirt at the Women in Tech conference Probably. by a huge margin. Yeah, yeah, and because yeah. I would get beat up by by a bunch of women and. No, you get beat up by men, right, who have to show how progressive they are. That's, oh, that's what would true. happen. <laughs> right. It wouldn't be the women. They'd, they'd leave you alone as long as right. the men. That might be very true, actually. Uh, yeah. Mr. Dominic, we have uh, some – you actually came across some pretty interesting little uh, projects over the week, which I'm, I guess you must have found out over the weekend uh, since uh, we talked just on Friday. But are you a fan of the Game Boy Advance? I'm a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I like. I we don't need to go into my Sonic philosophy of software again because people thought I was stoned. Uh, but if you follow that link, you're going to get to a uh, GitHub I/O page where it has a Game Boy Advance emulator in your browser with a bunch of uh, Game Boy games, including three Sonic Adventure Advance games or Sonic Advance games rather. No way! Awesome! No way! In the browser. In the oh, browser. Now, if you go to that second oh link, I put it in the show notes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yep. That's a thing. Sorry, that was a little loud, but that's a thing. I'm Now Now if, I'm playing Sonic. If you go to that second link I put in the show notes, you're going to go to the GitHub page with all the source code. I see that. Okay, I'm going there. That's just I started Sonic. All right, yeah, so here it is. Yeah. Oh. Now, think about this. Get a $5 DO server, plug, plug, plug. Download the source code, set up a simple web server, and you've got your own little personal GBA machine. This is a great idea. <laughs> yes. This is this actually is working pretty good in the browser too. Yeah, no, I was playing it for about uh, twenty minutes earlier, and uh, it's not bad. I, I ended up playing actually Sonic Pinball, which is strange. Not Spinball, not the one from the Genesis. Pinball. Right. 
It was uh, an awfully great way to waste time in Chrome. And the best part about this is if you have a 9 to 5 and you can't install stuff on your work computer. Right, just put it up in a tab. Put it up in a tab. Tab out. Huh. Wow, that's really cool. So uh, we'll have links to that in the show notes. I love the idea, too, of, like, you know, grabbing this and just putting, like, on an internet for, like, staff to mess around with if you have a business yeah, or, like, absolutely. like Mike said, put it up on a droplet. It's a perfect thing for a droplet. Oh, there's also, yeah, there's also Pokemon and a bunch of other uh, Mario Oh, games. there's a whole bunch. There's a whole there's bunch, a whole like, F-Zero, uh, Final yeah. Fantasy. <gasps> you, you got a couple of Metroids in there, Aladdin, too. which wasn't actually all that great, but how is Mario in here, though? This I is... didn't try it. Huh. I'm curious to see if Mario... Look, they have... Oh yeah, GBA. I was thinking. I was thinking. I was thinking. Uh, well, they're ports, right? The GBA ones are kind of ports. Yeah. Mario Kart Super Circuit. Yeah, this is awesome. Yep. If you go to uh, the GitHub page, you can see all that glorious JavaScript source code. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is really nice. User yes. scripts and binaries, and they have it all here. And then over in my tab over here, which isn't that game, is I've just launched a Super Mario Kart, and in the other tab, I launched a. <laughs> I launched Super Mario Advanced. My sense of Chrome crash coming. Oh man, this Use is great. the player! Supercharger Brothers! Oh boy! Uh, this is too great. This is too great. I mean, I know yes, I can't keep this playing this. Awesome. I know we have a show to do. I'm aware that and, I'm and, doing and, and, and more importantly, you know, YouTube's gonna be like, um. I know, mm. right? Yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to figure out what, my, what are my keys to go. Okay, there's my. Where's oh, uh, X and C do stuff, and then the oh, arrow yeah, nice, keys. man. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is great. This is this is this is classic, right? This I'm gonna show yeah. this. I'm gonna show this to my kids when I get home tonight. This is awesome. You know, uh, wow, that is. I gotta stop right now. I really. Oh man, I'm gonna get a coin though. Uh, all right. So you know what I'm gonna do? I think you've inspired me. I think you've inspired me a lot. I think what I'm going to do tonight when I get home is I'm going to set up a DigitalOcean droplet. And you know how I'm going to do that? I'm going to go to DigitalOcean.com. You could do that too, audience. In fact, if you go to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code CODERDIGITAL, you'll get a $10 credit. And then you can for for $5, check this out. For $5, you can spin up a rig with 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. More than enough to do that website. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own rig. So you're really going to get started in no time, less than 55 seconds pro- probably. And when you use our promo code, Coder Digital, you get a $10 credit. So the great thing about DigitalOcean is it's a really straightforward, intuitive service to spin up your own servers, your own infrastructure on their systems. And they work really well with one-click deployments and Docker images. So if you want to do local, de- if you want to do uh, like a local development, a Docker container on your own rig, and then you just go to DigitalOcean, and with one click you can deploy an Ubuntu 14.04 system up to date with Docker, and then you just go in there, it's yours. You've got root access, HTML5 console built into their website. It's really cool, and it's a great way to get your get something you've been working on up on the web to let people bang on it publicly, to give some speed to it, to do some real-world world testing when you're out on the go, or just not to even have to worry about setting up firewall rules or running a virtual machine. Because for $5 a month, why not? It's so awesome, too, because you got these snapshots. And when you want to make a big change, you want to deploy a big update, or you just want to test something, take a snapshot. It's really easy to take a snapshot. They also have a very straightforward API that makes it like a snap to integrate all of that. And their data centers are all over the world, so you can choose a location close to you or close to your users. They have one in New York. They have several in actually Newark, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, Germany, and London. The new one in Germany is so awesome because it's sitting right on that central exchange, so all of Germany's neighbors get great access as well. But when you get over on DigitalOcean, remember that promo code, CoderDigital, and try out their interface just for creating the droplets 
doing that kind of management, it's really great. You're going to have confidence that you're going to be able to take care of this. You're, I know some of you might be a little concerned you're not a server administrator. You're a developer. You're an end user. You're a power user. You're not necessarily a systems administrator. This interface is going to sort of smooth all of those rough edges over. I mean, at the end of the day, you can SSH under the rig and do whatever you want. You've got root access to this thing. You've even got console access. But the thing that DigitalOcean has really done well is they've made a standards-compliant front-end that lets you create the droplets, do full-featured DNS management, take snapshots of your servers to save you configuration time for future deployments, too, so you can do templates, one-click installations of things like Ruby on Rails, Docker, GitLab, WordPress, Ghost, I mean, so many others. And then they have that straightforward API that you can use to extend that functionality on your own. So as you become more sophisticated, you can take those steps forward. And they have help for you along the way at every step of your process because they have fantastic tutorials. In fact, they're seeking more, too, and they're willing to pay. And they're also hiring content editors. So if you're looking for some work and you're a technical writer or a sysadmin, They've got positions open over at DigitalOcean. Go over to DigitalOcean.com. Remember our promo code, CoderDigital, and save yourself some money. You can try that $5 rig for two months, and their pricing structure goes right up very simply, so you can try out the $10 rig and get even more oomph. They also even have hourly pricing, fantastic tutorials. They're hiring for positions, so check out their career pages, and they're accepting great tutorials. In fact, when you're over at DigitalOcean, I'd really like you to go over there and visit and look at their community section. Really, really, really good write-ups. Like how to set up SSH keys. Critical. How to set up OpenVPN on Ubuntu 14.04. How to create an Ansible playbooks to automate system configuration on Ubuntu. It's a great range of stuff. And I'll tell you a secret. They're not specific to DigitalOcean. They'll work for your server too. You can go here and I mean, it's just really good stuff. And the best part is you know it's always there. So when you are ready to take advantage of DigitalOcean, you're really going to get a lot of great value out of your $5 a month. DigitalOcean.com. Coder Digital. And a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring. The Go to Radio program. Mr. Dominic, uh, you know, you just got me thinking when you were talking about the uh, Game Boy emulators and the browser and stuff like that. Uh, two weeks ago, in episode 365 of the Linux Action Show, we did the emulation game, and we talked about there is uh, there's like a standalone distro you can get, and it's really nice. And uh, it kind of just like how you can make a Linux box into a media center with like these distros. This just turns it into a dedicated retro console arcade machine. All the different emulators, and it like does auto downloads in the background. Gives you a really nice UI for your television. So you can basically put it like on anything from a Raspberry Pi to a spare PC. They have different images for different stuff. And like in the case of the Pi, you just download the SD card image and write it to an SD card. Boom, you're done. And uh, it's a dedicated arcade machine that you can have hooked up to your TV. And we talked about that, plus we also talked about standalone uh, um, emulators for the Linux desktop, uh, including uh, Nintendo 64 and Game Boy and a bunch of other systems that are uh, not like take over your whole machine kind of things, but just standalone applications too. But uh, episode 365 of the Linux Action Show, we dug deep into all that emulation stuff uh, if you guys are interested. And if you do end up making the switch to Linux, check it out because there's some good just you know quick and dirty desktop apps that let you play some of that stuff too. That was episode 365 of the Linux Action Show. Hey, PT Dave uh, submitted something to the subreddit, which might be sort of a response to what you and I were talking about yesterday, saying, Google, give us more APIs. Right? Mm, what yeah. is this? So the Google, he calls it the Google API services, and he submitted it to our subreddit a few days ago. Uh, and he writes, in order to make a connection to the Google API, you must start with Google service object and initialize the connection with the appropriate scopes. Apply the appropriate client ID and client secret 
from, and he gives the link, on a native application. The code below will launch a browser window to the appropriate URL and ask the user to enter the information after creating an appropriate admin directory service for the object-only user. And the purpose is to build a clean system for accessing Google Apps APIs in a single library. Ooh. All Google services are built off the base service object, which is initialized by using the Google services object. I like this. I like this a lot. And P.T. Dave is making this, too, a longtime listener of the show. Any thoughts, Mr. Dominic? You know, another wonderful tool from P.T. Dave. Yeah, he's a handy guy, isn't he? I have a theory about P.T. Dave. I think it's Angela. <laughs> um, what? I think P.T. Dave. Have I ever seen P.T. Dave and Angela? Of course, in the same place at the same time. I don't think you have. Well. Hmm. And this, I guess I don't have any evidence against this, other than I don't think she's a developer yet. You know, I've, I've, learned, one, uh, I've learned one thing on the internet, Chris. All you have to do is say something crazy. Mm. That's true. And people will go with it. That is very true. That is very true. You know, Mr. Dominic, uh, Google I.O., as we record this, is two days, 21 hours, four minutes away. You'd think if we were organized, we would have somehow coincided a show at Google I.O., but... Well, we talked about it on Friday a bit. Yeah, we could still do that, but I'm excited about this year's I.O., Chris. Do you know why? Hmm. No, I don't know why. I'm excited to see new APIs, as we talked about Friday. Oh, I do know that, yes. I'll tell you why I'm excited. Go ahead. I mean, I don't want to cut you off, but I'll tell you when you're ready. No, cut me off. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think this is... I think this is the year that Google <laughs> sniffs a little Microsoft in the water and starts to respond to Microsoft at I.O. The last few I.O.s, they've been coming at Apple. Coming at them. Coming at them. Coming at them. Feature for feature. Coming at Apple. Coming at them. This year, they're still going to do that. This is going to be the biggest I.O. ever. This is going to be the year they just full on. I think micro, I think there's going to be, I don't think you're going to hear the word Microsoft on stage. That's next year. This is the year, though, they say something, and it's obvious they mean, like, this is to compete with Microsoft. Maybe something in the enterprise space, something against Azure. We just saw a price drop again on Google Cloud Services last week to be more competitive. Uh, so I think there's something pretty interesting there. I think, I think we are very focused in on Android. I think Android's in a pretty good spot. They're going to do some stuff that is, we're gonna, we'll definitely be talking about. But I think the big changes are going to be Google might go after Instagram a bit. And I think uh, Google Plus is going to be demoted even further. I think they're going to come after Microsoft in the enterprise space more. And I really would like to see them address privacy more and, uh, and user concerns around that. What do you think? You think, I'm on, you think I'm getting anything here? Nope. Oh, really? Okay. All right. How about this? Microsoft introduces support for Swift. Uh, you're, you're killing my soul. Why, why at, would Google you, I. at Google I.O. Microsoft uh, comes out during Google I.O. and says we're announcing support for Swift, and that's the only thing anybody talks about. <laughs> that would be such an epic douche move. I love it. Yeah, I know, right? I know, I know. Actually, the thing is, is how do you ever top jumping out of a plane wearing glass? You can't ever top that. Unless you jump out I, of like a, a higher, like unless you, like you do like the, uh, like the Red Bull jump kind of thing. It's like interesting, though. The, the more showy the product announcement is in tech, the crappier the product. Hmm. Hmm. But let's just take down this road. Do you, do you really think another company would try to steal the thunder? No. 
I mean, no, I, I was just kidding about Microsoft trying to do that. Just because I, I do think there is a bit of a a, a bit of a um, a bit of a a bit of a, a enterprise co- uh, competition brewing there. Here's why I think it's actually going to be a big I/O. Google is doing a few things that they could have saved for I/O, and they're doing them now. Uh, they today they just rolled out a new version of Hangouts for Chrome, with a whole new interface. Uh, so I, they could have waited to introduce that. Um, today they also leaked the new Photos app to Ars Technica. So there's, they've, okay. announced, they've announced that they're breaking that out. So they're kind of getting that out of the way instead of saving that for Google I.O. Um, and then they also announced the drop in the Google Cloud pricing last week, light, late last week. So this is a lot of stuff that they all could have saved for Google I.O. that they are instead rolling out right now kind of quietly. Kind of like before WWDC when Apple just kind of quietly right. updates the MacBook, and then that's because they have a brand new computer they're going to introduce, and they don't really want to talk about the, the just the small update. So that's what I think Google's doing right now, and I don't know what to make of it. I'll tell you, I have a long, I have a long shot. I would really like to see Google get serious about cardboard. I think cardboard was a little too, too um, janky. But if Google could sell like a twenty-five VR, twenty-five dollar kit that I could snap a phone into for VR, or something like that, okay. And here's why: because Oculus just screwed over the Linux users. Oculus just abandoned the Linux platform, and uh, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So, but, but Chris, wait, Facebook is a web company. They're your friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, so I I, I would love to see that. Cause remember, they just kind of they just kind of trotted that out last year, and it actually, it actually got really pretty popular. Like, there's did you know there's still people building G- Google Cardboard VR stuff right now? Yeah, like, it's actually pretty cool. My yeah, I have a buddy who built one. So let me tell you what I really think we're going to see, though. Right? Okay. I think we're going to see some additional Google Play services stuff, kind of along the lines of what I was asking for last week, but not as heavy handed. Right? You're still going to have carrier issues. Um, I think. I keep hearing this rumor about, uh, what is it, Brillo, this new OS. Brillo? No, I haven't heard about this. Tell me about this. I, know I don't think, I don't, see, I've heard this rumor twice. I don't think it's real, that they're coming out with a new OS that isn't Android per se for, for uh, the home. The, the Brillo, the new operating system for your home. Yeah. Google's OS for the Internet of Things. How did I not hear about this? I have no idea. I mean, I've only heard about it in, like, you know, one or two blog posts. So this would be like their com- this would be like their version of Ubuntu Snappy. This would be their competitor to Ubuntu Snappy. Right. It seems weird because you already have Android, which is a, a kind of, you know. And yeah, and Chrome OS. And here what's this? Is this this is a video? No, okay. This is not what I wanted. Yeah, these are the oh yeah, yeah, you know. Uh right. Wouldn't this be interesting if it's coming out of the Nest division? Because they own Nest and it Obviously, it's going to have to have some integrations with Android and your whole Google thing. But it seems like a very Google move, right? Because think about all that data they can get from, from your home. Yeah, they, uh, this Gizmodo article says that uh, Brilla has been an inter- internal project for a while. A search of the bug tracker on Google Code Chromium site shows references to Brillo going back to February. Uh, a post in the information last week gave a pretty good picture on what the company wants to do with the new operating system. Brillo, designed especially to be lightweight, taking up very little memory, which is perfect for home devices that you control via web interface, like locks and refrigerators and climate controls. 
They say Brillo will probably be tucked into the Android brand. Google is likely to release the software under the Android brand as the group developing the software is linked to the company's Android unit. The lower memory requirements for the devices running the new software would make a sharp drop from the latest versions of Android. So they might call it Android, but it's not really Android. Right, but can't you just like think about it? Android Home, right? Something like that. Right, that's what they'll call it, yeah. yeah. But it's really just Linux. Because it doesn't look like it'll have any of the JVM stuff. And if you take That's interesting. Away, will they go JVM? Will, I mean, the JVM's heavy. Or no, you can't. You can't because they're saying here in this that uh, – what are they saying right here? Uh, um, they say that some of these devices they, – they, they mentioned the mem- – yeah. Some of these devices that you have will have 64 or more likely 32 megabytes of RAM. You can't, you can't, you can't have the JVM overhead when you only have 32 megs of RAM. You've got to run the whole OS and all of the apps and have, leave space over for future updates. Oui. So what's the, what's the developer interface to it then? I don't know. System D? <laughs> oh, you're very funny. I know. Uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, I can't. I, I, yeah, you think some, this is bogus? or I? Uh, no, I think it's real. I just, I just don't know why they would dump the JVM so quickly. You know, it's funny, though, because what did they do when they had to build Chrome OS? Right. Yeah. Uh, so unless is, that's the direction they go, right? They take some underpinnings from Chrome uh, OS. I, I see why I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't catch this. Is because this was this was originally ran on the information, which is behind a thousand dollar a year paywall. Uh, okay. So that's that's so yeah. That's these are all coming as reports from the paywall. I mean, could they get a WebKit kind of powered environment done in thirty two megs? Maybe. Uh, maybe you know, or some tiny that's, little server that. Unless the processing happens in the cloud. I bet you yeah, that's what this is all about. Because think about it. They have the Google the Google App Engine architecture, or whatever they call it now, Google right. Cloud. These just have to be little receivers of the commands. These just have to be dump terminals. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, in a way, yeah. you can you can really extend the functionality up on the Google Cloud. And these things just do but you know basic what? stuff. Darthon in the, in the chat is correct. There is totally embedded capabilities in the JVM. There is an embedded version. Oh, yeah. You, could... you think, though, they would do that? So I think the question, I think it's both possible, but do does Google, would Google rather use web technologies if they can get away with it, or would they rather use the JVM? I think they're looking at things like Ubuntu Snappy, and they're thinking, we need well, to be Also, there's the whole, would using the JVM open them to another Oracle uh, beating? But you think about, they have Dropcam, Revolve, uh, and Nest. All our home automation, Internet of Things, they bought some of the, like, the three biggest. Yeah, they, they bought the big three, right? They bought the three most promising uh, home companies. So it does seem like they would have to design a platform for that because they have the three biggest ones right now. The only yeah. one they don't have, the, the other big, what's the, what's the other one? Like Samsung owns a big one. I forget, E-Things or Smart Things. Smart Things, that's what it is. Smart Things, which is like the other big one, but I don't, I don't, I don't know how big. Uh, wow. That is really something intense. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what to, I did not. I have not followed Brillo, so we'll see if Brillo gets announced at Google I/O. Good one, Mr. Dominic. You know, again, Darsani is correct. We did interview uh, Mark Mark Heckler from Oracle, and that's exactly the kind of thing he was working on. Yes, I stuff. know. I always. So I possible. know they were always working on it. You're, I just. I, don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I think given the choice, Google would probably opt to be. I don't know. I could see a real thing where, like, if you want to develop for this, you have to subscribe to the Google cloud services or something. I can't believe these things have 32 megs of RAM. My first computer I, well, that I was like my, my, main, yeah. my main first computer was one megabyte of RAM. The one was like mine. 
And my the first computer I ever really like did a serious upgrade and had to save up money for a long time. I upgraded that sucker to sixteen megabytes, and now we're talking thirty two megs of RAM for these things. I don't know if I buy it. I, I'm trying to think of how they would do this with like V8 and JavaScript, and I don't know why you would do it that way. Like, I'm not suggesting you couldn't, and certainly if anybody could, Google could, but... Actually, you know, with 32, they might be doing the JVM, because why do you need 32 megs? Why not? I mean, or, or the only thing I could think is some sort of legal issue with Oracle, right? Why wouldn't you just go for the JVM? There's tons of other companies writing embedded stuff in Java, right? Here's why... I, well, the only reason I was thinking avoid JVM is because the competition operating systems are all just straight-up Linux, and so that's what a lot of people are going to be writing these things for, and that does give you the best performance. And yeah, but you, if you're going to have if you're going to have software running on these devices, and you're presumably going to open it to some sort of interface, um, yeah. Well, so so we don't know, right? Is this something that you have to buy Google or Nest products, or is this like an OS they're going to share with everybody that you can put on your products? Because oh, I, I think, think it's going to be for everybody because they need that right. sensor data. It's all about that, those metrics. They just need to be there. Even if it's just your IP, that's that, anything. If they can get anything from any insights, they can get your network layout, how many devices on your network, broadcast information, or just the IP address and location you're connecting from, they will take it. And if that's true, I mean... If you give up the JVM, you give up a lot of um, just a lot of mindshare, right? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm curious because now we're, I'm, I'm reading the chat room as we go by. People have heard wildly different things, it looks like. Yeah, well, I'm, now I'm thinking, when I'm thinking 32 and 64 megabytes of RAM, at first I was like, geez, that's, that's not very enough. much. But now I'm that's thinking, enough. yeah. No, that's enough. You could get yeah. away with that. Now, now, now that I kind of changed my perspective and I think a little bit more about like <laughs> what I've done with less RAM in the past. Right. I mean <laughs> – 64 megs is, is, is fine. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah 64 wonder, for sure. I guess I'm, I'm trying to figure – so you're saying this is going to be like an AOSP kind of thing? Yeah. Well, that's what they're saying. Uh, I think it's – I here's what I think it is. I think it's a straight-up more like Chrome OS Linux machine that they've tucked under the brand Android because people give Google a hard time for having too many OSs, having too many things. So they know that. Like that's – they way slow down on the Android updates too because they're getting too too much of a hard time. And, and I you think – You think it's going to be Chrome OS powered? No. I think it's going to – no. I think it's going to be obfuscated from us. I think they're going to try very hard to make it sound like it's Android, and I think if you got to look under the hoods, you're just going to see like Chrome OS. It's a Linux box with a single binary running, or that's I mean but, the Chromecast. But, right, but what what is Android? A Linux box with a JVM or well, a Dovlik VM? And a right? lot, like, no, they've ripped out a lot of the uh, the lower part, parts too, and it's, yeah, it's probably very stripped down. Here's why I was thinking it would be a stripped down machine: is a they got to make it cheap, and b the less memory you put in these things, the cheaper it is for people to use them and manufacture them. So if I'm you know Acer. Because Acer's been talking about getting into the Internet of Things business a lot, and I want to manufacture five million of these devices. Well, if I can save three dollars a device, that might make a decision for me. Seriously, that might make a that might make a huge decision for me. So uh, Google's got to be cognizant of that, and it's got to know that. Yes, the JVM brings a lot more functionality, brings a lot more developers, but at the end of the day, the bean counters are making a decision on which device can we manufacture and make a profit from. And there's well, this uh, stream, and this one that costs us three dollars less. It'll run Spark OS, which is Linux based, and that's ready to go. Yeah, well, I'm not sure I buy that. I'm not sure that they couldn't do a version of the JVM embedded system that wouldn't work within those memory constraints. I mean, I, I think they absolutely can. And, and do you do you see what I'm saying? I, yeah. I don't. You know, by having an open system with a platform that, you know, 10 millions of developers understand, I don't know if millions maybe is an overstatement, but might be true. Um, that seems like 
it would be a no-brainer and would quickly set the standard, right? Remember the old Microsoft line, we set the standard? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I feel like 32 megs is, is more than sufficient. Like, I, I wouldn't... I don't see why they would make a compromise when they could just go with the JVM. So let's go with this. Let's say let's right. say they do this. Let's say okay. uh, they um, you know and if and if Google truly wanted to own this market, right? They could subsidize the cost of the hardware. So let's say let's say it took, let's say they, let's say let's go sixty four megs and let's say Google throws in twenty five dollars a, a a device or something. And okay. here's where I'm getting with this. I. I am so freaking impressed with how the entire industry just went Android. Like, not I'm not talking for phones. I'm talking for like all these Bridges, little, t- like, all these little yeah. things, all these little tiny right. devices just run Android now. And 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 the way it was explained to me by Aaron Saigo because he was trying to build a tablet, is he says when you go to these Chinese manufacturers, they can wrap their heads around Android as something to yes. build against. They can build yes. against Android because it's a full product. They can call up Google. They get support. They can build the spec. I called them up and I said I wanted a Linux machine and I needed these specs. They were completely lost. There was a language barrier. They didn't understand. It's not how they're used to taking orders. When we said build it to the Android spec, they it was problem-free, slick, right through, no issue. So I am really super impressed with, because I think the market recognized, hey, here's this Linux-based operating system. It's really solid, and it's backed by this massively successful American company. Let's, this is something we can, we can base our products on and have a little bit of stability with a little bit of safety as far as these things go. And so if they came out and offered essentially the same deal for an Internet of Things OS, my take on that is it would have just the same amount of success that Android has for these types of devices, right, even that, more that's so. That's my point. Right. It, it's, a, it's familiar ground for everybody. Here's the problem. I don't know if you just read, but in, just last week, late last week, Mark Shuttleworth in an interview said he thinks Canonical has a very compelling story around the Internet of Things device category, and he thinks that he can take Canonical IPO'd. He can IPO the company around the market potential for them delivering that operating system. But if Google comes in on, on Thursday and announces this, they're going to basically cut the knees right out from underneath Canonical on this initiative, I think. Yeah, that's a problem for Canonical. Yeah. I mean, why? I mean, just to backtrack a second, Azer in the chat has a good point. There's also the Android to NDK, right? The native development kit. Mm-hmm. So that would be an option if you were really feeling memory constraint, um, if you were developing software against these devices. But so you're saying, wait, you're, you're now saying that you think it is going to be Android because you think they want to take Canonical out of the knees? No, I, I know. No, I don't. I don't. I think you're getting lost in the weeds there. I don't think it matters if it's Android or if it's. Right, I, don't, I don't. I think what Canonical does matters. I, I think the platform it's built on does matter. Canonical right? is going to be based on Ubuntu Linux, their snappy core. Uh, I think. Right. I, I. My bet would be that the Google. Uh, the Google Brillo stuff is also real basic Linux. They'll call it Android for home, but it's just super basic Linux. Right, but you, you on all these things, right? On snappy core, there are APIs. You depending on how much memory you have, you can put things like the JVM on to develop oh, yeah. your. Sure. Business app, like whatever it is, yeah. I don't necessarily know. This is could probably going to be interesting because this could either be another, you know, Google Glass, or this could be huge. And I think this will actually be huge, right? Because so, they've got those companies. Yeah, they've got those companies. They have the design sense that something that used to be lacking for them, right, with, with WinNest. 
Um, it's it's have, so core to sensor data, which is so core to yeah. their advertising business. It's like it's it's so aligned with their priorities as a business. It's kind of a mistake if they don't do this in a way. I wonder, though, I mean, I don't think Google announcing this necessarily kills Canonical's effort either, right? Yeah, I think Canonical could really run away with it, though, if because if, they have a pretty good pretty good brand. They have, you know, pretty good market presence already in, on cloud. So if they could uh, come in and say, here's Snappy, and we have Snappy packages, and it's a uh, transactionally updated uh, rolling operating system for your Internet of Things devices, and uh, it uses the Ubuntu you know and love, I think that'd be a pretty good story. Until Google came around and said, hey, you know that Android that runs on all the devices in the world? Yeah, well, now you can run that on your Internet of Things, and you'll have the same support, and we're going to keep updating it, and this is a competitive area for us. And, man, I just, yeah, it doesn't ruin Canonical's game, but, oh, man, talk about talk about the biggest number one competitor that could possibly come in. I mean, like, Microsoft could inter- introduce an Internet of Things OS, any other company in the world, and it wouldn't have the same level of impact as Google doing it. Well, Microsoft is doing this, right? They have a SKU for Windows 10. Oh, yeah, it's adorable. You're right. I forgot about that. It's really cute. And you could almost run it on a Raspberry Pi now. Oh. Hey, Mr. Dominic, before we get uh, into our uh, feedback this week, I want to take a moment and uh, give the audience a pro tip. Linux Academy is a great way for you to get your skills up to the next level, challenge yourself, and maybe even give yourself a little more confidence. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders is where you go to get our Coder Radio discount. Linux Academy is built by enthusiasts who really, truly love Linux open source and all the technologies that surround that ecosystem. They have step-by-step video courses, comprehensive study guides you can take with you, listen on the go, or read. Seven-plus distributions you get to choose from, and they'll adjust the courseware to match those distributions, which is so sweet. They have self-paced courses for you, scenario-based labs. You'll actually work through a real-life scenario in an advanced lab environment from beginning to end. Instructor help is available when you need it. And I've mentioned this before, but they just recently rolled out this new feature called Nuggets. It's genius. It's bite-sized information to make you better at a task that you probably do quite a bit. It doesn't necessarily fit in a course, but it's great. Single video courses, these nuggets here. Uh, like, here's a new one. Building a firewall with IP tables. Boom. One course. Creating a Pixie boot server. Setting up single sign-ons with Linux. And a course on Active Directory. What's new in Ubuntu 15.04? Deploying packages. Open file management. System D versus system init scripts. All this stuff, SSH passwords, sending email from the command line, HTTP at the command line, writing ISO images, encrypting folders, nuggets. Just go in, learn one topic, get out. It's such an awesome idea. Linux Academy has all kinds of courses, all kinds of technology, OpenStack, Python, PHP, Android, Amazon Web Services, Dev, Ops, Ruby on Rails, Linux, and of course, Red Hat, Ubuntu, Debian, all those Linux distributions. And they just rolled out their new Red Hat Certified Systems Administrator course. Go check that out. Lots of new content just went live in the last couple of weeks. Their DevOps Essentials is available now. AWS CSA Pro available as well to those pro members in the Founders Club. And the OpenStack uh, courses have gotten a recent update as well. Go check out those nuggets, though. That's so cool. Start by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. That'll give you our Coder Radio discount, and you'll see what a great service this is, a platform built by people truly passionate about the subject matter and what a difference that really makes, not just some sort of dumping ground where you can go get somebody and write them a check so they'll put something up on your site, but a site created by people truly passionate, that truly care and want to make this stuff better adopted. And one thing I love about that is when they're available, it's like when these courses come online, it's like the best stuff first. Like, like their Docker stuff, they had Docker, they had courseware on Docker before everybody else, and it's still better than anybody else's because <laughs> these guys really get it. LinuxAcademy.com 
slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy. And also, keep sending in those success stories. It is really awesome to hear about you guys working with Linux Academy and getting jobs or getting certified and helping, you know, just maybe feeling a little better after you've gotten sort of kicked around a bit. It's, it's great. And I love it, too. You will, too. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, Mr. Dominic, are you uh, prepared for feedback? Are you ready for this? Because I got a radical idea for you that I don't think you've considered yet. I am ready for it. Let's do this. Listener Matt writes in. He says, hey, Chris and Mike, given Mike's enthusiastic plea that OS X users in, a, in the audience send copies of Mike, uh, Mike and Alan's book to Apple. Remember Alan's new book, uh, uh, ZFSbook.com. Alan wrote the book on ZFS, <laughs> and it just came out. He says, I'd like to suggest an alternative to Mike, though. Oh, here you go, Mike. He's got an alternative. Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. Let's see. Uh, let's, uh, oh, wait. <clears throat> I know it's hard to believe, but there's already a desktop-ready Unix environment that includes ZFS right out of the box. Computer, what happened? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I says, uh, uh, Mike, no need to go to the land of large egos and copy left licenses to use open source software. You can join us in the PCBSD world where freedom means whatever you want it to. We have a wonderful Ooh. modern file system. We don't need Docker just to provide consistent user lands for our applications. Sincerely, someone who switched from Linux to BSD three years ago. And hasn't looked back. Hello, everybody. So that's uh, so he's saying PCBSD. Now, one of the really nice things about PCBSD is uh, they have the PBI. Oh, well, there's a few things. They have the PBI installer, so you just download a package and install it. Uh, you don't have to worry about dependencies and things like that. They have the rollback updates, so you can boot back into your old environment after an update. And they've also integrated ZFS snapshots into the file manager, so you can go back and recover files right in the file manager. The only areas where it really falls down is if you're doing heavy multimedia stuff or you want to play video games, and all of the BSD fans will be like, you can run Steam, you can play video games. Don't listen to them. They're delusional. So that's it. It's like if you want to have like a super sexy laptop and you want to have like USB 3.0 devices and Thunderbolt devices and you want to have video cameras and you want to have 3D accelerated graphics playing the latest games from Steam available for Linux – uh, and the greatest Wi-Fi chip available. Most of those things will work with BSD, but not all of them like they do under Linux. If those things are like, those are not really things I'm going to use my computer for. If, you're, if right. it's more like web browsing, email, uh, you know, writing code in, in Visual Studio Code or, or Sublime Text. Yeah, yeah, PCBSD can do that. And it can do it probably maybe better than Linux can long term because, you know, you got ZFS. You got those rollbacks after unsuccessful updates. You can just from the boot menu choose to boot back into your previous environment. Uh, you got the PBI installer, so packages management's a lot easier. And uh, we also know the guy that makes it. That helps, too. <laughs> All right, so, so, so let me ask you a question, obviously. What is that again? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, why would I want to use BSD? Because let's be honest, isn't half the fun of Linux the drama? Yeah, sure. Right? Well. Uh, that depends on your distro of choice. You can, there's there, there's some pretty drama-free distros out there, but... Uh, uh, Ubuntu is not one of them. Right, correct, correct. Uh, correct, that'd be correct. So uh, why 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 yeah. BSD, to be honest with you? Um, consistency. The entire operating right. system is designed by one team, pretty much, so the tools are consistent, the documentation is consistent, it doesn't change that radically, you know, so there's not different, different team priorities there. Um, stability. Uh, it's a very good workstation. All of the things that make it boring to me make it a very good workstation. 
Interesting. I find it to I be. Mean, I, I find it to be boring. I find it to be an OS that leads in some area and is always following in other areas. Um, hypervisors, uh, boot environments. Uh, they're now creating their own system D. Uh, these are areas where I feel like they're constantly following. But then in other areas, consistent uh, uh, updates, uh, user land separation right. from the system and user applications, consistent documentation, well designed. Uh, the FreeBSD Foundation is. Re- I like the way they establish. I also prefer the, 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 the you know the discourse in their in their community more often. But at the same time, I don't feel it's an it's, it's an innovative or innovative space or as exciting space to me. And and part of that is the thrill of, of of really truly watching technology be designed and developed in front of me when I use Linux to a degree. Damn, damn. Well, you know I'm using BSD right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's, it's running the the advanced uh, yeah. Darwin technology and the yeah. mock kernel. It's, no. No, no. <laughs> what? What do you mean no? Wait. No. What do you uh, mean no? So, uh, and you know, Chris Moore makes it. Chris Moore co-hosts the PC or the uh, BSD Now podcast with Alan Jude, and his and right. Chris Moore's brother makes the Lumina desktop, which is a, a QT based desktop that they're making for PC BSD. Um, and it's nice, man. It's pretty nice. It's it's. A, I, yeah, I actually so- think they're they're kicking a lot of ass over there. I'll definitely check it out, right? I mean, right now, I think I am looking at Ubuntu um, for when I get a new rig, which is further and further every day. Yeah, you know, I uh, I just uh, I just recently had a big dramatic uh, breakup with Ubuntu over the last couple of weeks. What? I had yeah yeah I had uh, I had a couple of real bad days in the studio. Uh, um, you know, I'd gone Ubuntu fourteen oh four LTS and updates ended up breaking sound for me still, and I've had I just ended up having a lot of the problems that I have when I roll rolling distributions actually take that back man is i have less problems so i actually pulled off ubuntu 1404 from the machine that you and i are talking on right now and it's back to arch because I, as crazy as this sounds it is consi- i have consistently better luck experiences under arch you're saying so- you're saying arch was more stable than ubuntu lts just for me i i i don't think it is for any other single human being on the planet but for some reason right. for some reason and it is it is undeniably like i put ubuntu in there and i Within a couple of months, every time I almost have a breakdown. It's so it 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 just it it fails me so badly that it's like, okay, Rikai, I need you to stop what you're doing, come into the studio, and replace that operating system right now before I do another show. I will not do another show until that's until that's gone. That's how bad it is. And and then we sit down, we put Arch on it, and every single time it's totally totally fine. And except there's like one wiggly thing that comes along, so it's still very frustrating. So I just say. Be open to other ideas than Ubuntu, but I think you'd have a great time with Ubuntu as well. Ubuntu Mate could be another great option, and Antigross mm. Linux is worth yes. You know what you ought to do? Why not put Antigross Linux on there for like three days with GNOME 3 and just see what you think for like three days? Three days? That's not hard, right? Three days of Antigross. Hmm. Yeah, Micro89 remembers because he was there. I had to – I had to. so uh, Sunday – Linux Action Show started two hours late, and then the next Tech Talk, I just had to cancel, and we just recorded me troubleshooting because I couldn't do a show because of the problems I had. So I'm not putting that back into production again. Well, let me tell you what happened to me this morning, Chris. I got a coupon from Dell for like 40% off, and I was like, oh boy. And of course, when I went to use the coupon, guess what? It's expired. Can't use it on that device. Oh, I hate that. Yes. So, were you trying to get the XPS thirteen? Uh, I, I, I think yeah. I set myself on the XPS thirteen. The XPS thirteen solid. I think the Yoga three is also a pretty good option. Just saying. Yes, but Yoga three is made by you. Lenovo. That's true. Lenovo. I, I don't, that is yeah, true. I mean, it is a nice rig, though. 
Um, uh, you know what, though? Chrome just got high DPI support under Linux. It's blowing my mind. Hey, we got one more feedback to get to. One before more we get thing. Here. Uh, and I just I knew you answered him in the subreddit, but I thought this might be a good conversation to do an update with the audience. Uh, so your boy Addy writes in, I hear a lot about it from the Silicon Valley types, and I've always considered it to be like one of those motivational speeches. He's talking about getting things done. Uh, you know, one of those things to make people feel all good about themselves. But I started to get curious, and I decided to read a bit about getting things done. He writes like he a used car salesman. Uh, uh, talks, uh, talks, but I, I like to think if so many people use it, it can't be BS. Has anyone tried it? And what are your thoughts about GTG or getting things done? What do you think, Mr. Dominic, about GTG or other things like maybe the Pomodoro technique? Yeah, I mean, the whole like GTD thing, right? It's kind of like agile to me. It started off as, you know, little tips and then turned into this crazy, this is how you do things. Yeah, a model suck, for right? life. <laughs> right. So do I do GTD? Well, I do the Pomodoro technique for programming because I have zero discipline when it comes to email. And if I don't do the Pomodoro technique, I will be responding to emails pretty much nonstop, which means at the end of the day, nothing will get done, which is an abusive cycle because in the following day, yeah. I get angry emails and phone calls because nothing got done. Yeah, right? yeah. And then also, right. you just also feel bad. You just feel bad about it too. Which is right, like, and then you like mentally become more and more jaded and, of course, that reflects. And You can see how this is a vicious cycle of getting slapped around. Yeah, man. Having said that, I don't go any further than the Pomodoro technique because I, I just don't. I'm not a big system guy like in terms of I've tried, like I've tried the Kanban board things. I've tried the uh, like the burn down chart of your tasks. I, you know, I use Wonderlist, but even then, I'm not too disciplined about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I I, th- I think it's sort of the same thing. You can go too far with any of these systems, and they almost become a religion. They almost become like a model right. that you have to follow, which then it becomes a crutch. And then if you can't follow that model, you can't function. And I think that's why I, I resist a little bit about adopting these things too enthusiastically because I don't want to become dependent on them. That said, I do think I am starting to come towards some sort of work balance that I think could use a system. And what it is is I, I am trying to stand more. I am trying to move around a little bit more. And I'm trying to give myself more breaks so that way I'm not at the end of the day totally exhausted. I'm trying to pace myself a little more. Uh, so that way I can that way I'm not like just spending myself, spending myself. And then by the end of the week, I'm dragging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I so I could see where a system would help me sort of accomplish that. I find that I I just need something with a lot more flexibility because every day for me is a little bit different than the past. And so no one system works so well for me. So I, I've read the uh, GTG book, uh, David Allen Greer. Right. He's the one that wrote that. Um, right. Uh, I I read that and uh, didn't work <laughs> didn't work for me. Not about all labels, stick you know all that stuff doesn't work. Yeah, but it, one it doesn't. calendars, you know, I'm sticking more. I'm sticking more to blocks. So what I have done now is I allow myself to do a thing for blocks of time. So this will be my report time. Then I'm going to write up some reports for some sponsors. This is going to be some research time over here. And I and then I work within that block. And then when, when I'm done with that block, I ask myself, do I want to keep working or is this the point I would like to give myself permission to take a break? And I sometimes opt not to take that break. And sometimes I say, you know what, this is the point. I'm going to opt to take that break. And sometimes that just means I get up, get some water, order a sandwich, whatever, and then get back to it. And that's been working for me. But, you know, I think you got to find different people, different people like different models, different amounts of rigidness as well. Yeah, I mean, one thing I like, I like lists, right? I like issue lists or lists of features that need to be done, stuff like that. 
like I'm very give me a bar to fill or to empty, and I'm pretty much better shape. Yeah. Um, which is why I love GitLab's bug tracker so much because it gives you like the percent complete, just like GitHub's does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beyond that, I you know I really don't buy into the whole. I mean, I've seen guys do right, like they do a poster board. Yes. Of just like little tickets and little post-it notes and like lines from thing to thing, and I I don't bother. Oh, but it's so cool looking. But that yeah, is... it's like it, it, it's like the appearance of hard work, right? It, it, it looks like you're working yes. really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually yeah. That's usually a bad sign in my experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Mr. Dominic, if somebody wanted to give us some feedback, they could go over to coderadio.reddit.com. That'd be great. Or they could go to jupiterbroadcasting.com/contact and choose in uh, like you know probably Coder Radio because that's probably the one you want to send feedback to because you're listening to Coder Radio right now. Yes. That'd probably yes. be a good idea. We do this show on a Monday. You can find out more at jupiterbroadcasting.com/calendar. Uh, we'd love your reviews in iTunes if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice one. If you don't, oh well. If you don't want to leave us a nice review, email us and tell us why, and we'll try to fix it. And then in the future, maybe you can leave us a nice review after we fixed it. Those reviews, and we like we like to ask that you maybe focus on the MP3 feed. And all of that is because, guess what? We were just talking about this before the show. iTunes still remains one of the number one ways people find podcasts. It's not the number one anymore. I think maybe it is, but it's still up there. If it's not. And uh, the way the iTunes systems works is when you leave a couple of comments and a couple of reviews, it doesn't take more than maybe a dozen, and then it starts moving up really fast in the charts because people don't take the time to do that very often. So even though there's thousands of podcasts on iTunes, listeners never really take the time to do that. So it really helps quite a bit. So if you do want to help more people find the show, that'd be another way. Or another thing that would be a ton of help is if you have a podcast catcher out there, like Pocket Cast or something out there that doesn't have Coda Radio listed for some reason – Maybe contact your favorite podcast author, uh, client author, and ask them to add the Coda Radio program. That'd be really helpful. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send folks throughout the week? Uh, just at Dumanuko on Twitter. Nice. I have a new Twitter account, so you have to follow me again. We swapped around. My old Twitter account is now the official network account, so you can follow that. It's at Jupiter Signal. You probably already are if you were following me before. And I'm Chris LAS, but it's under a new account. So you got to go find me and re-follow me because I renamed an old account. So you're not following me, very likely. And that's a great place to follow me to get updates. And it's going to be more of my personal stuff on my account, Chris LES, network stuff on Jupiter Signal. All right, join us next week on Monday. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. See you right back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>